This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. Today we're going to begin a brand new series. We're going to be talking about relationships. Today we're going to be talking about the DNA of relationships. You know, uh, it's an amazing thing about DNA. You know, in it is encoded everything uh, that be you're going through a relationship that's not all that good. I hope that's not true. But you know what? After 34 years of ministry, I've found out that can be the case sometimes. That people uh, are in relationship, you know, and nothing can make us happier or more miserable than the relationships that we're in. Isn't that true? It has the power to make life wonderful or it has the, the power to make life miserable. That's, that's usually the, the two-edged sword on a relationship thing. So in this series, we want to look at not, not only from a biblical point of view, which we are, but also from a practical point of view about relationships, the DNA of relationships. Because after all, God is the creator of family. And since He's the creator of family and that that basic unit that makes up all of society is the family, then, you know, relationships beginning there and then spreading out to all the the other areas of interaction in our lives, God wants those relationships to be meaningful and to be wholesome. But many times they are toxic and they are unwholesome and unhealthy. Hopefully that's not the case. So I want to ask you a question as we begin this series. What are your relationships like? Are they dysfunctional or are they healthy? You know, sometimes, uh, you know, we are functionally dysfunctional. You know what I mean by that? That we've learned to live and cope in a dysfunctional way and we think that's normal. So hopefully as we we look at the Word and we look at some practical application of this, we may discover some things, you know, in our life that God wants to, to, to change and bring about change and bring about wholeness in our lives so that what? We can throw off the dysfunctional things about us and we can begin to enjoy Uh, the richness of that relationship God intended. The DNA code really is the story of us. I want to read a couple of portions of scriptures as we we start off this morning. Very familiar scriptures probably to many of us found in Genesis. One is in Genesis 2.15 and then the other one we're going to look at there in Genesis 3. Genesis 2, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. And the Lord said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, in chapter 3, verse 1, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. 
And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Stop right there for a moment. <laughs> Everything we need to know about the DNA of relationships is encoded in these few verses we've just read. They are this. This is what I believe they are. Number one, you're made for relationships. God made Adam, and he said, it's not good. Now, it's interesting. If you know the, the creation story here, after everything God made, the moon, the stars, the, the oceans, the land, uh, the fowl, the beast, after everything God said, it is good. But when he looked at Adam, he said, it is not good. It's not good that he be alone. We were made for relationships. God made us that way. This is the first thing. We're talking about the DNA of relationships. God put that DNA in every human being. We have a desire to be in relationships. Secondly, you are made with the capacity to choose. God says, now I'm putting this here and I'm giving you a free will, Adam and Eve. I'm giving you a free will to choose. You can choose to be in right relationship to me, to be in obedience to me, or you can choose not to. And we saw right here, they did make a choice, didn't they? They didn't, like some of us, they didn't make a good choice. And here's the thing. We are always trying to figure out, I'm talking about mankind in general, how we can make choices and avoid the consequences. You know what? You can't do it. I said you can't do it. You can't throw a hammer in the air and it not come back down. There are consequences, isn't that right? You can't drive your car under the influence of alcohol going 90 miles an hour and expect not to have a collision and possibly kill yourself and somebody else. There's just anything we choose, there's consequences. So we have encoded in us that we're made for relationships, we're made with the capacity to choose, and then thirdly, you're made to take responsibility for yourself. Now I'm going to relate what this all has to do about relationships because these three things are key to all the relationships that we are presently experiencing. We were made for relationships. If you're married, you're in a very intimate relationship with your husband or your wife. If you have children, you're in a relationship with them. Maybe, maybe you're engaged, you have a, you know, or you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend and you've been dating, there's a relationship that's going there. If, if you have a job and you're at work, there's relationships with co-workers, maybe with a, a supervisor, maybe with uh, your supervisor and you have those people under you. Whatever it is, there's a relationship that is going on there. And we have to understand how that interaction works and understand this, that relationships are not an option. Listen, listen to this. We can choose how we participate in a relationship, but we have no choice about whether we will participate. I'm going to let that sink in. You can choose how you will participate, but you have no choice about if you will participate. Because no one, as the writer has said, is an island unto himself. Every one of us are coming in contact with other people. 
and especially the people that are close to us. So here's the thing. There are three people, three major areas of relationship which are inescapable that's included in this DNA. That is a relationship with others, a relationship with yourself, and a relationship with God. First, the obvious one, relationship with others. Family, friends, neighbors, as I said, co-workers, so forth. We're in a relationship with those people. Everywhere we go, today, you, you, you were in a relationship. You got up. You were in contact with somebody. There was a relationship going on there. Hopefully, it's a good one. But if it's not, then we want to look at some things that we can determine about how to form good relationships, how to make those relationships become healthy instead of toxic. But first of all, we have to understand that in the picture of our life, there are others, a number of other people that we are in close uh, 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 proximity with, close relationship with. Now, many times when our relationships aren't going the way we want them to, we start something we call the blame game. Are you listening? I tell you, over the years, you know, in counseling people, especially in marriage counseling, so many people come in the office, and you know, as soon as they sit down, they start finger pointing. It's his fault, you know, if he wasn't so, you know, so passive, if he wasn't so this or that, and he said, oh, it's her fault, and she didn't nag me, and she didn't, you know, spend, and everybody starts blame game. See, we're well aware of the others in this relationship. That's, the, that's who we're most aware of sometimes. And many times, and we're going to see this, a lot of times that's our problem. Because we're playing the blame game, we're blaming everybody else. It's her fault. It's his fault. It's my boss's fault. It's those people, those lazy people, I can't get them to do their job. It's their fault. We're blaming people all the time. Isn't that, don't we see this DNA passed down to us in Adam and Eve? It, I mean, when God, you, you read on a little bit further there, God came down and began to visit with them. And he said, hey, what's going on here? Something's different. And immediately, what did Adam say? It's her fault. <laughs> God, it's that woman you gave me. <laughs> Come on now. And, and of course, you know, Eve was right in there. She said, it was the serpent's fault. <laughs> And you know, and I guess the serpent looked around and he, he couldn't find nobody to blame. <laughs> but that's what we do. It's human nature. We want to blame others. It's, it's their fault. It's their fault this relationship's not working. It's their fault. I would be happier. I would be more fulfilled. I know what I need to do. I just need to find somebody else. Come on. Many times we think that's the solution. I got news for you. That's not the solution. It's never just about the other person. It's never just about the other person. The problem you have with other people is often a problem you have with yourself. Mm. This brings me to the other relationship. Now, we're just going to introduce this today. We're going to be talking about this for the next, all through November, we're going to be expanding on this. So we're just getting it introduced today. But this brings me to the next relationship, and that is the one with ourself. And many times, this is the one that's the most toxic of all. Amen. Because we don't have a proper viewpoint of ourself. 
many times in relationships, I know this in, in marriage counseling in particular, dealing with those close relationships, the, you know, I found out this, both the husband or the wife, or it could be either one, when, the, when they're talking about the problem, they're not even in the story. It's him, it's him, it's him, it's, all you. it's her, it's her, it's her. They're not even in the story. Hold on, wait a minute here. I thought we were talking about a relationship. You can't be a relationship by yourself, can you? But see, it's because we don't put ourselves in the picture. We don't put ourselves in the picture. All we can do is, our focus is what? Is on that other person. It's them, God. It's this woman you gave me. It's this man. It's this person. It's all their fault. If I just had somebody different in my life, everything would be different. No, it wouldn't. Because you're still there. I used to say this all the time about myself humorously. Wherever I go, there I am. You ever tried to get away from yourself? It's hard to do. You might can get away from another person for a while, but it's hard to get away from yourself, isn't it? No matter where you go, there I am. Some think too little of themselves. And this is the problem in a relationship. Many people, you know, maybe you were conditioned that way growing up. People told you. Sometimes, unfortunately, it's even your parents. They told you, you're no good. You'll never amount to anything. And, 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 and words scarred you emotionally and psychologically. And you feel like you have no value. And, and you, you don't deserve to be treated well. And, and you've got, you're carrying around all these insecurities and fears. And so when somebody bumps into you in a relationship, you react out of your insecurity and fears. But see, because you only got them in view, you blame them. They're to blame. No, it's my insecurities. It's my fears within my own self that are reacting to something you said or did. It's awful quiet in here. <laughs> Some think too little of themselves. Some people in a relationship, they're just like, you know, they're like a doormat. You know, just anybody, they just, people just, they just lay down and let people walk all over them. God didn't make you to be that way. I said, God didn't make you to be that way. We need to get God's viewpoint about who we really are. Because He created us and He's the only one who is qualified to say who you are and how valuable you are. You are valuable. You say, well, I don't feel too valuable. That's why you got to get God's viewpoint on it. You say, how, how do you know I'm valuable? All i got to do is look at Calvary. The Bible says that God so loved the world. The world. He didn't say God so loved the Christians. He said God so loved the world. we got to get a bigger definition of God's love. It's not just about, you know, God bless me, you know, uh, uh, us three, us four, no more. God loved the world. It's all about that. And so we've got to get God's viewpoint on it. Some people think too much of themselves. You ever been around people like that? They're a joy, aren't they? Oh, my gosh. You think, man, I'm, I can't believe we've got a room big enough to get their head in. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
I mean, man, they just, you know, they just come across so arrogant. So, I'm, you know, I'm not talking about people who are confident. That's a big, it's a big distinction. And I, I don't have time to get into that. We ought to be confident. God made us to be confident. We're, we're, we're to look at ourselves as being valuable. We're to take care of ourselves. We're to see ourselves as having worth. Are you listening? See, some people, they, they have such a poor uh, self-image that they don't take care of themselves. I'm convinced that's why a lot of people, you know, that, that, that we get into an addictive lifestyle is because I, I have no esteem for myself. And it's almost like I inflict this pain on myself because I feel like I deserve it. It's pretty good, Pastor. <laughs> Some think too much about. It. So you got to use the 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 light, the right lens. You got to look at yourself through the right way, not beating yourself up and beating yourself down and 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 telling yourself you're no good, and not thinking that you're 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 the it, you're the everything, and man, everybody in the world, the sun, the moon, all revolve around you. But we get God's view that I'm valuable, that I have worth. That I, because I'm valuable, I have worth, I take care of myself. Anybody in here live in a house or, or an apartment or something? If you, if you bought that, are you taking care of it? Well, why in the world are you doing that? Because what? It's valuable. Isn't it? Now, this is just an object. If you have a car, do you take care of that car? Why is that? It has what? Value to you. Whatever has value to me, what? I'm going to what? Take care of it. And when I begin to see myself the way God sees me, then all of a sudden, I begin to, to take care of myself. I begin to value myself. And all of a sudden, a lot of the fears and insecurities, God begins to work out of my life because now I see myself as God sees me, created in His image, loved by God, God paid a price to bring me back in right relationship to Himself. God loves me. God cares about me. So I must be valuable. And all of a sudden, you know what that makes me want to do? To take care of myself. And all of a sudden, those fears and insecurities in my life begin to drop off. And then when somebody says something to me, you know what? I don't react in rage anymore. Hello? See, I, I'm not easily offended as I was anymore. Why? Because I've gotten rid of those fears. We'll get into this more as we go along. And then thirdly, there's a relationship with God. And this one's very important because <clears throat> this is what helps balance out the other two. Now, you know, you say, well, you know, I don't even know God. I don't even know if I want to know God. But i got news for you. You still have a relationship with Him. Are you listening? You may have had a loving home with loving father and, and mother, or you may have had someone that was abusive or just, you know, there but not engaged with you or anything. You may have dysfunctional. You may not have talked to them in years, but you still have a relationship with them. That's still your dad. That's still your mom. You have a relationship. It may be a horrible one. It may be a dysfunctional one. And see, this is what we're, <clears throat> we're called to tell people in the world. All the people in the world that have a dysfunctional relationship with God, we're here to tell you, here's how you get to have a functional relationship is through the person of Jesus Christ. But they have a relationship to it. It may be distant. 
You may see God as somebody way off somewhere. He's some kind of hard judge. He's out to get you. He's out to, you know, to just, you know, to do you bad. Or God is disinterested in you. I'm here to tell you today that God's more interested in you than you are in yourself. Every person has a relationship with God, whether you know it or not. It's either loving and nurturing, or it's distant and dysfunctional. You know, I, I saw this uh, note about in Newsweek in 2001. You can still find it on the internet. The title of the, the thing was, God in the Brain, How We Are Wired for Spirituality. Now, this is research that's done this. This is not some preacher writing this article. And it says they, they, they've done research and it seems that, the, the, that all of our brains are wired for spirituality. That, that there's a place in us that yearns to know God. Imagine that. Science catching up with the Bible. Isn't that something? The philosopher, the French philosopher Pascal, he said this, he said, there is... A, a place, a void in every person that will never be fulfilled until they come to know God. There's something about us. We're made for relationships with ourselves, with others, but also we're made for a relationship with God. Paul wrote this way to the Romans. He said, really this, this, this as science calls it now, this wiring that's been put in us in creation, Paul put it this way. He said, he said, because of that wiring in us, he said, we ought to be able to just, we can look out on creation and understand what? That there is a God, a creator, and that there is something crying out in us to know that creator. Relationships. We're talking about the DNA of relationships. A relationship with others, with myself, and with God. And that out of all of these coming together, these three coming together in balance, we're going to find out in the process of this, uh, uh, of this series about why there are toxic relationships and what we can do to see those begin to change. Now, God is passionate about having a relationship with us. <clears throat> Excuse me. In Exodus 34, 14, he says it this way. He said, says that God, I like uh, the, the New Living Translation, says it this way. He says that, that God is jealous about His relationship with us. God is jealous about His relationship with us. What does that mean? God is passionate about having a unique relationship with each one of us and he doesn't want the wrong thing coming between that relationship. You know, Cindy and I married 31 and three quarters of a year, right? You know, I'm passionate about my relationship with her. And I don't want anybody coming into the picture. But now, last Christmas, after much urging, I gave in and we got a dog. <laughs> a little Havanese 
dog. And that rascal is so cute. Oh my goodness. So we're having to train him because I walk by and I, you know, when I walk by, I want to give Cindy a kiss. I mean, he's right up in the middle of it. And he's tugging on me like this or tugging on my... I'm like, hey, buddy. You have to go find your own. <laughs> I don't like claiming. But you know, we're je- and it says, God says He's jealous about that. He wants a relationship unique. He wants a special, unique relationship with you. That doesn't mean we don't have relationships with others. Of course, we're made that way. But God says, I'm jealous to have one with you. He said, I want, to have, I want you to know me and I want to know you. And I want us to have this relationship that brings everything in your life into proper balance and to proper focus. Wow. You say, can God do that? Yes, He can. And so, also, this relationship means that we look to God for our fulfillment and not to others. Here's a big mistake we make many times. And again, I believe it comes out of our fears and our insecurities. And that is that we make that other special person in our relationship, we, we, we make them such a focus of it that, that we're looking to them to make me a whole person. I see people get married for that reason. That's the wrong reason. You say, well, that's the reason I got married. Well, here's the solution to that. You know, gain some understanding, gain some knowledge. Don't get out of the marriage. Are you listening to me? But here's the thing. My fulfillment comes from God. I I don't have to look to Cindy. Cindy doesn't have to look to me. You don't have to look to me as your pastor. You don't have to look to some significant other to fulfill you. It is God that fulfills us, and that is the starting place in our relationships. Because if you look to me to fulfill you, God help you. Oh my God, God help you. Because sooner or later, I'm just a man. I'm going to let you down. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to get discouraged. You're going to begin to think this relationship thing just can't work. But if we connect to God first and have Him to be the one, that relationship that gives me my fulfillment, then all of a sudden the other relationships can begin to come into proper focus and in relationship. Jesus said it this way. He said, I have come so that you could experience life to the fullest. And that life to the fullest does not revolve around another human being. It revolves around a relationship with the Creator and the Redeemer of the universe, Jesus Christ. That's where it starts. Isn't that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So we have to find our balance in these relationships, which is what? Loving God, loving myself as I should, and then loving others. Look in Matthew 27. This is another, what I call another DNA scripture verse here, Matthew 27. And we're going to begin. uh, Excuse me, let's uh, go to Matthew 23. I wrote that so little I can't see it. Jesus is talking here. <clears throat> uh, 
And he's talking about, you know, he, would, he had been questioned. Actually, that's 2237. We'll get there. <clears throat> One of the Pharisees or the Sadducees had asked Jesus a question, what's the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. There's another DNA of relationships. He said, first, what? We love the Lord our God. We experience the love of God. Now, you can't love God until you first experience His love. The Bible says that. He says, we only love God because what? We first experience the love He had for us. When I experience His forgiveness and His grace and His mercy, when, he, when I experience that relationship with God, all of a sudden the Bible says that that same love of God is deposited on the inside of me and I begin to love God back with that love. But here's the good thing. Not only can I love God that way, I can begin to love myself that way. Now, religion has taught us, you know, historic religion has taught us through the years that, you know, that we're, we're really no good, that we're undeserving, and that, you know, and, and has really taught us to have a very low opinion of ourselves. You know, you're just a worm in the dirt. Come on. But the Scriptures teach us that God so loved you and I, that He gave His Son's very life's blood to redeem us. Now that says something about your value. That says something about God's love. My value is not because I'm something special. My value is because God set His love on me. God set His love on you, and His love makes you valuable. So I can begin to love myself now in the right way as God loves me, see myself as God sees me, a child of God, someone made in His image, someone who is worthy to receive all that God has. The Bible says every good gift and every perfect gift comes down, what? From the Father above. That's what He wants you to have. Every good gift. Amen. Every perfect gift. So now I can begin to what? love myself properly. But no, notice he goes on to say, he said, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So if I hate myself, how am I going to love my neighbor? If I'm full of insecurities and fears, and I'm, and I'm constantly beating myself up and condemning myself and thinking I'm no good. What am I, how am I going to love you? All I have to give to you is the reactions of my fears and insecurities when we come into a relationship together. You say something, I take offense. Amen? It's kind of like, you know, if, if, a, if I was out working in the yard or something and I, I hurt my arm and bruised it really bad, and it was very, very sore and tender and everything. And you know, in the next day, uh, you know, you come over to see me and everything, and you, you know, you greet me like we normally do, you know, with a hug or something, and you grab me, and I go, ah! 
And then I get mad at you and cuss you out and put you out the front door. Can you say that in church? I guess I just did. But see, it wasn't their fault. I mean, yes, they hurt me, but they didn't really hurt me, did they? I got hurt yesterday in the yard. And in the process of a normal relationship, they bumped into my hurt. And so now, my reaction, have you ever, you ever seen somebody just really get way, way, react way beyond what the situation called for? And you're thinking, you're, you're kind of, you know, especially if you're not involved in it, you know, you can, you can be a little more objective, can't you? You see that happen, you think, whoa, man, what's out of the bed today get up on? Isn't that true? But listen... Well, it's the same way with my fears and my insecurities. And I begin to have what we call a normal relationship with people where we bump into one another occasionally. With our words, with our attitudes, with our actions, we kind of bump into one another in that relationship space. And all of a sudden, my insecurities and fears start coming out. You say something that is just not that big a deal, but all of a sudden my insecurity in that area rises up, and man, I give you what for? What'd you say, uh huh, for? <laughs> I'm just kidding. She has to live with me. So we're going to find out that we have to bring balance in these things. And it starts with God, a relationship with God. Now real quickly, we said it also has to do with choices and responsibility. Not exercising your power of choice is a choice. I've had people tell me all the time, listen, I've been there. I'm not, if I, I'm like my friend used to say, he said, if I point a finger at you, I've got three more pointed at me. So I'm not pointing. But you know, how many times, you know, that we say, well, you know, I didn't have a choice in the matter. Well, who told you that? It wasn't God. Because He gave you a freedom of choosing. It's, again, what do we do? We point the finger. It's His fault. It's her fault. It's their fault. See, I didn't have a choice because of what they did. I didn't have a choice. But I don't read anywhere in the Scriptures where God gave your right to choose to another human being. You're your own person. You're an individual. You, you have freedom of choice. You, God gave you that. Because God gave you that, no one can take it away from you, but now you can abdicate it. We saw Adam do that. He was standing there with Eve when she did what God said not to do. What did he do? He didn't do That's it. Nothing. Nothing. Well, I got news for you. He found out doing nothing is doing something. Because not making a choice is a choice. Choice always is going to lead to a change. A good change or a bad change. But it's always going to lead to a change. You can't make a choice and then not make a change. When Adam and Eve, when they both made changes, I mean, it, I mean a choice, it immediately led to a change in their relationship to God. Now instead of being intimate with God, they have separated themselves from God. And in the same way, we make some choices that instead of bringing us into greater intimacy and relationship with those in our life, it separates us and then we point the finger at them. 
You say, how do you know so much? Because I'm a human. <laughs> Amen. Just observation. So I must take the responsibility for my stuff. Isn't that right? For my actions, my reactions, and for my words. And let me say this. You know, in relationships and all, there's always conflict. Y'all look so holy out there. Not at my house. You're so holy. <laughs> Never conflict at your house. Come on. I wasn't born yesterday, as they say. But you know, one of the things that will help us is, you know, to get out of the blame game, and we'll get more into this as we go along in this series, but, you know, and I discovered this, you know, in counseling with people, like I say, when they come in and they start talking, it's amazing how they're not in the picture. It's all about this other person. They're bad. They're mean. They're ugly. They're, all what they did. Come on. That's all you... And then, you know, if, if they've ever stopped talking, then the other one jumps in. And, and they go about it they're saying the same thing about the other one. And, you know, I call this, you know, I call this a dance. It's a dance that we dance as human beings. Blaming, pointing the finger, making excuses, not accepting uh, the, ch the responsibility of our own choices. But we, we dance around the issues. Because you know what? We never put both of us in the story. I don't see how my actions and my attitudes had anything to do with the problem. It's all them. <laughs> And so you know what we want to do? We want to get, instead of changing the dance, we want a new partner. I'm going to meddling now. It's not about you getting a new partner to dance with. It's about you learning a new dance. We'll talk about that later. But listen, power of choice real quickly. Will you choose to stay stuck where you are in the relationship or will you determine to work through the problem area? We're talking about choices. Will you choose to hold on to your resentment or will you choose to face the resentment and find freedom from it? Will you choose to hurt the other person when he or she hurts you? Or will you choose to look beyond the hurt to the deeper problem possibly in you? Will you choose to, turn, to run when a relationship gets a little sticky or will you choose to honor the relationship by facing the problem? We all... Are responsible we all have a choice you always have a choice never let the enemy never let people tell you that you have no choice all you got to do is amputate don't you think you know any any surgeon you know that every time he saw the least little thing wrong you know with one of your limbs he had the reputation amputate I've got a pretty good idea that that's not who I would want to go to. How many times in society people want to tell you, if, okay, amputate, that's the solution, just cut that thing off, cut it off, get a new partner, get somebody else, just, that's it, I'm writing them off, that's it, I'm having nothing else to do with them. I mean, how often do we, that's our choice. It's almost like it's our fallback choice. Because we don't want to make the difficult decisions and choices to work through. But here's the thing. You also miss out on the beauty 
and the wonder of a wonderful relationship. I'm sorry, but there are no free lunches. That's at that other place. <laughs> Amen. So some action steps real quickly because I've got to close. My time's up. This week, may I suggest that you step back and look at your relationship through God's lens this week. Maybe you've been in that dance I talked about where he did, she did, he, she said, she said, it's their fault, it's his fault, you've been in all that kind of thing. Step back from that this week. May I suggest, and look at yourself. Put yourself in the picture. Put yourself in the mixture. You know, it's not just about that other person. How do you see yourself and the others that you're in relationship with? Do you see them through God's lens? We know the great chapter over there in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 13 about love. It says love. What does God's love do? It says what? It sees the best. Believes the best. Doesn't take account of something done wrong. I mean, all of a sudden we begin to see people through God's lens that love and all of a sudden, we see them differently. And when we see them differently, we make different choices. And then thirdly, step back this week. is How do you see your relationship with God? How do you see that relationship? Is a relationship, is it distant? Is it dysfunctional? Have you kind of let go your side of the relationship with God? These are the things that I want you to to consider, I want to suggest that you consider that this week. Relationships. The DNA of relationships. Now, we've just really, I've just kind of tossed the rock, skipped the rock across the surface this morning to introduce this. And we're going to expand on this in the weeks ahead. But you know, today we can make a choice. That if the relationships that you're in are toxic, if they're not what they could be, what you know they should be, you can make a choice and decide today I'm going to start doing something to make them better. Now here's the thing. That doesn't mean if you're married that you go home and you start working on your wife. <laughs> I'm going to work on my husband. Man, I've been after him for 50 years and I ain't got him to change yet, but I ain't giving up. No. May I suggest that we start by working on ourselves. I've found this out over the years. I cannot change one other living soul. It's humbling to know as a pastor, you know, you think, boy, I'm going to help these people. I want to, you know. But you know what? I can't do something about me. And it's amazing how other people change when I change first. And so if you're in that a relationship, and it's not all that you want to be, let me encourage you, and I'm going to pray for you right now, but you've got to make a decision. My prayer won't mean a thing unless you make a decision. If you make a decision, and I add my prayer to your decision, then God's got something to work with. He's got your choice, and He's got my prayer. And you know what? This is why the Bible says, pray for one another. Isn't that right? It's a powerful thing. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's Word. 
For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church. Thank you.